Part three of Salve Deus Rex Uderum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Salve Deus Rex Uderum by Amelia Lanyer. Part three. That very night our Saviour was betrayed. O night, exceeding all the nights of sorrow, when our most blessed Lord, although dismayed, yet would not he one minute's respite borrow, but to Mount Olives went, though sore afraid, to welcome night, and entertain the morrow. And as he oft unto that place did go, so did he now, to meet his long-nursed woe. He told his dear disciples that they all should be offended by him that self-night. His grief was great, and theirs could not be small. To part from him who was their sole delight, St. Peter thought his faith could never fall, no mote could happen in so clear a sight, which made him say, though all men were offended, yet would he never, though his life were ended. But his dear Lord made answer, that before the cock did crow, he should deny him thrice. This could not choose but grieve him very sore, that his hot love should prove more cold than ice, denying him he did so much adore. No imperfection in himself he spies, but saith again, with him he'll surely die, rather than his dear master once deny. And all the rest did likewise say the same, of his disciples at that instant time. But yet, poor Peter, he was most to blame, that thought above them all, by faith to climb his forward speech inflicted sin and shame, when wisdom's eye did look and check his crime. Who did foresee and told him it before, yet would he needs aver it more and more. Now went our Lord unto that holy place, sweet Gethsemane hallowed by his presence, that blessed garden, which did now embrace his holy corpse, yet could make no defence against those vipers, objects of disgrace, which sought that pure eternal love to quench. Here his disciples willed he to stay, whilst he went further, where he meant to pray. None were admitted with their Lord to go, but Peter, and the sons of Zebedus. To him good Jesus opened all his woe, he gave them leave his sorrows to discuss, his deepest griefs he did not scorn to show, these three dear friends, so much he did entrust. Being sorrowful and overcharged with grief, he told them, yet looked for no relief. Sweet Lord, how couldst thou thus to flesh and blood communicate thy grief, tell of thy woes? Thou knewest they had no power to do thee good. But were the cause thou must endure these blows, being the scorpions bred in Adam's mud, whose poisoned sins did work among thy foes, to re-or-charge thy overburdened soul, although the sorrows now they do condole. Yet didst thou tell them of thy troubled state, of thy soul's heaviness unto the death, so full of love, so free wert thou from hate, to bid them stay whose sins did stop thy breath. When thou wert entering at so strait a gate, Yea, entering even into the door of death, thou bidst them tarry there, and watch with thee, who from thy precious bloodshed were not free. Bidding them tarry, thou didst further go, to meet affliction in such graceful sort, as might move pity both in friend and foe, thy sorrows such as none could them comport. Such great endurements who did ever know, when to the Almighty thou didst make resort, and falling on thy face didst humbly pray, if twere his will that cup might pass away. Saying, nor my will but thy will, Lord, be done, when as thou prayedst an angel did appear from heaven to comfort thee God's only Son, that thou thy sufferings might the better bear, being in agony thy glass near run. Thou prayedst more earnestly in so great fear, that precious sweat came trickling to the ground, like drops of blood thy senses to confound. Lo, here his will, not thy will, Lord, was done, 
and thou content to undergo all pains, sweet Lamb of God, his dear beloved Son, by this great purchase what to thee remains? Of heaven and earth thou hast a kingdom won, thy glory being equal with thy gains, in ratifying God's promise on the earth, made many hundred years before thy birth. But now returning to thy sleeping friends, that could not watch one hour for love of thee, even those three friends which on thy grace depends, yet shut those eyes that should their maker see. What colour, what excuse, or what amends from thy displeasure now can set them free? Yet thy pure piety bids them watch and pray, lest in temptation they be led away. Although the spirit was willing to obey, yet what great weakness in the flesh was found! They slept in ease whilst thou in pain didst pray. Lo, they sleep, and thou in sorrow drowned. Yet God's right hand was unto thee a stay, when horror, grief, and sorrow did abound. His angel did appear from heaven to thee, to yield thee comfort in extremity. But what could comfort them thy troubled mind, when heaven and earth were both against thee bent? And thou no hope, no ease, no rest couldst find, but must restore that life which was but lent. Was ever creature in the world so kind but he that from eternity was sent, to satisfy for many worlds of sin whose matchless torments did but then begin? If one man's sin doth challenge death and hell, with all the torments that belong thereto, if for one sin such plagues on David fell, as grieved him and his seed undue, if Solomon, for that he did not well, falling from grace, did lose his kingdom too, ten tribes being taken from his willful son, and sin the cause that they were all undone. What could thy innocency now expect, when all the sins that ever were committed were laid to thee, whom no man could detect? Yet far thou wert of man from being pitied, the judge so just could yield thee no respect, nor would one jot of penance be remitted, but greater horror to thy soul must rise, than heart can think, or any wit devise. Now draws the hour of thy affliction near, and ugly death presents himself before thee. Thou now must leave those friends thou heldst so dear, yea, those disciples who did most adore thee, yet in thy countenance doth no wrath appear, although betrayed to those that did abhor thee. Thou didst vouchsafe to visit them again, who had no apprehension of thy pain. Their eyes were heavy and their hearts asleep, nor knew they well what answer then to make thee. Yet thou as watchman hadst a care to keep those few from sin that shortly would forsake thee. But now thou bidst them henceforth rest and sleep. Thy hour is come, and they at hand to take thee. The Son of God to sinners made a prey. O hateful hour! O blessed, O cursed day! Lo, here thy great humility was found, being king of heaven and monarch of the earth, yet well content to have thy glory drowned, by being counted of so mean a birth. Grace, love, and mercy did so much abound, thou entertainst the cross even to the death, and namest thyself the son of man to be, to purge our pride by thy humility. But now thy friends whom thou didst call to go, heavy spectators of thy hapless case, See thy betrayer, whom too well they know, one of the twelve now object of disgrace, a trothless traitor and a mortal foe, with feigned kindness seeks thee to embrace, and gives a kiss whereby he may deceive thee, that in the hands of sinners he might leave thee. Now muster forth with swords, with staves, with bills, high priests and scribes and elders of the land, seeking by force to have their wicked wills, which thou didst never purpose to withstand. Now thou makest haste unto the worst of ills, and who they seek thou gently dost demand. 
This didst thou, Lord, to maze these fools the more, to inquire of that thou knewest so well before. When, lo, these monsters did not shame to tell, his name they sought and found, yet could not know, Jesus of Nazareth at whose feet they fell. When heavenly wisdom did descend so low to speak to them, they knew they did not well, their great amazement made them backward go. Nay, though he said unto them, I am he, they could not know him, whom their eyes did see. How blind were they could not discern the light, how dull, if not to understand the truth, how weak, if meekness overcame their might, how stony-hearted, if not moved to ruth, how void of pity, and how full of spite, gainst him that was the Lord of light and truth. Here insolent boldness checked by love and grace retires, and falls before our Maker's face. For when he spake to this accursed crew, and mildly made them know that it was he, presents himself that they might take a view, and what they doubted they might clearly see, nay more, to reassure that it was true, he said, I say unto you, I am he. If him they sought, he's willing to obey, only desires the rest might go their way. Thus, with a heart prepared to endure the greatest wrongs impiety could devise, he was content to stoop unto their lure, although his greatness might do otherwise. Here grace was seized on with hands impure, and virtue now must be suppressed by vice. Pure innocency made a prey to sin, thus did his torments and our joys begin. Here fair obedience shined in his breast, and did suppress all fear of future pain. Love was his leader unto this unrest, whilst righteousness doth carry up his train. Mercy made way to make us highly blessed, when patience beat down sorrow, fear, and pain. Justice sat looking with an angry brow on blessed misery appearing now. More glorious than all the conquerors that ever lived within this earthly round, more powerful than all kings or governors than ever yet within this world were found, more valiant than the greatest soldiers that ever fought, to have their glory crowned. For which of them that ever yet took breath, sought to endure the doom of heaven and earth? But our sweet Saviour, whom these Jews did name, yet could their learned ignorance apprehend no light of grace to free themselves from blame. Zeal, laws, religion, now they do pretend against the truth, untruths they seek to frame. Now all their powers, their wits, their strengths, they bend against one silly, weak, unarmed man, who no resistance makes, though much he can, to free himself from these unlearned men, who called him Saviour in his blessed name, yet far from knowing him their Saviour then, that came to save both them and theirs from blame. Though they retire and fall, they come again to make a sure purchase of their shame. With lights and torches now they find the way to take the shepherd whilst the sheep doth stray. Why should unlawful actions use the light? Iniquity in darkness seeks to dwell. Sin rides his circuit in the dead of night, teaching all souls the ready ways to hell. Satan comes armed with all the powers of spite, heartens his champions, makes them rude and fell, like ravening wolves to shed his guiltless blood, who thought no harm, but died to do them good. Here falsehood bears the show of formal right, base treachery hath got a guard of men, tyranny attends with all his strength and might to lead this silly lamb to lion's den. Yet he unmoved in this most wretched plight goes on to meet them, knows the hour and when. The power of darkness must express God's ire, therefore to save these few was his desire. These few that wait on poverty and shame, and offer to be sharers in his ills, 
these few that will be spreaders of his fame he will not leave to tyrants' wicked wills, but still desires to free them from all blame. Yet fear goes forward, anger, patience kills. A saint is moved to revenge a wrong, and mildness doth what doth to wrath belong. For Peter grieved at what might then befall, yet knew not what to do nor what to think, thought something must be done, now, if at all, to free his master that he might not drink this poisoned draught far bitterer than gall, for now he sees him at the very brink of grisly death, who gins to show his face, clad in all colours of a deep disgrace. And now those hands that never used to fight or draw a weapon in his own defence, too forward is to do his master right, since of his wrongs he feels too true a sense. But ah, poor Peter, now thou wantest might, and he's resolved with them he will go hence. To draw thy sword in such a helpless cause offends thy lord, and is against the laws. So much he hates revenge, so far from hate, that he vouchsafes to heal whom thou dost wound. His paths are peace, with none he holds debate. His patience stands upon so sure a ground, to counsel thee, although it comes too late. Nay, to his foes his mercies so abound, that he in pity doth thy will restrain, and heals the hurt, and takes away the pain. For willingly he will endure this wrong, although his prayers might have obtained such grace, as to dissolve their plots, though ne'er so strong, and bring these wicked actors in worse case than Egypt's king on whom God's plagues did throng. But that foregoing scriptures must take place, if God by prayers had an army sent of powerful angels, who could them prevent? Yet mighty Jesus meekly asked, Why they with swords and staves do come as to a thief? He, teaching in the temple day by day, none did offend, or give him cause of grief. Now all are forward, glad is he that may give most offence, and yield him least relief. His hateful foes are ready now to take him, and all his dear disciples do forsake him. Those dear disciples that he most did love, and were attendant at his beck and call, when trial of affliction came to prove, they first left him, who now must leave them all. For they were earth, and he came from above which made them apt to fly and fit to fall. Though they protest they never will forsake him, they do like men when dangers overtake them. And he alone is bound to lose us all, whom with unhallowed hands they led along to wicked Caiaphas in the judgment-hall, who studies only hope to do him wrong. High priests and elders, people great and small, with all reproachful words about him throng. False witnesses are now called in apace, whose troathless tongues must make pale death embrace the beauty of the world, heaven's chiefest glory, the mirror of martyrs, crown of holy saints, love of the almighty, blessed angel's story, water of life which none that drinks it faints, guide of the just where all our light we borrow, mercy of mercies, hearer of complaints, triumph over death, ransomer of sin, falsely accused, now his pains begin. Their tongues do serve him as a passing bell, for what they say is certainly believed. So sound a tale unto the judge they tell, that he of life must shortly be bereaved. Their share of heaven they do not care to sell, so his afflicted heart be thoroughly grieved. They tell his words, though far from his intent, and what his speeches were, not what he meant. That he God's holy temple could destroy, and in three days could build it up again, this seemed to them a vain and idle toy, it would not sink into their sinful brain. Christ's blessed body, all true Christians' joy, should die and in three days revive again. This did the Lord of heaven and earth endure, unjustly to be charged by tongues impure. 
and now they all do give attentive ear to hear the answer which he will not make. The people wonder how he can forbear, and these great wrongs so patiently can take. But yet he answers not, nor doth he care, much more he will endure for our sake, nor can their wisdoms any way discover who he should be that proved so true a lover. To entertain the sharpest pangs of death, and fight a combat in the depth of hell, for wretched worldlings made of dust and earth, whose hardened hearts with pride and malice swell, in midst of bloody sweat and dying breath, he had compassion on these tyrants fell, and purchased them a place in heaven for ever, when they his soul and body sought to sever. Sin's ugly mists so blinded had their eyes, that at noon days they could discern no light. These were those fools that thought themselves so wise, the Jewish wolves that did our Saviour bite. For now they use all means they can devise, to beat down truth and go against all right. Yea, now they take God's holy name in vain, to know the truth which truth they do profane. The chiefest hell-hounds of this hateful crew rose up to ask what answer he could make against those false accusers in his view, that by his speech they might advantage take. He held his peace, yet knew they said not true. No answer would his holy wisdom make, till he was charged in his glorious name, whose pleasure t'was he should endure this shame. Then with so mild a majesty he spake, as they might easily know from whence he came. His harmless tongue doth no exceptions take, nor priests nor people means he now to blame, but answers folly for true wisdom's sake, being charged deeply by his powerful name, to tell if Christ the Son of God he be, who for our sins must die to set us free. To thee, O Caiaphas, doth he answer give, that thou hast said what thou desirest to know, and yet thy malice will not let him live, so much thou art unto thyself a foe. He speaketh truth, but thou wilt not believe, nor canst thou apprehend it to be so, though he expresses glory unto thee, thy owly eyes are blind and cannot see. Thou rent'st thy clothes instead of thy false heart, and on the guiltless layest thy guilty crime, for thou blasphemest, and he must feel the smart, to sentence death thou think'st it now high time. No witness now thou need'st for this foul part, thou to the height of wickedness canst climb, and give offence to the ruder sort, to make afflictions, sorrows, follies, sport. Now when the dawn of day gins to appear, and all your wicked counsels have an end, to end his life that holds you all so dear, for to that purpose did your studies bend, proud Pontius Pilate must the matter hear, to your untruths his ears he now must lend. Sweet Jesus bound to him you led away, of his most precious blood to make your prey. Which, when that wicked caitiff did perceive, by whose lewd means he came to this distress, he brought the price of blood he did receive, thinking thereby to make his fault seem less. And with these priests and elders did it leave, confessed his fault wherein he did transgress. But when he saw repentance unrespected, he hanged himself, of God and man, rejected. By this example what can be expected from wicked man, which on the earth doth live? But faithless dealing, fear of God neglected, who for their private gain cares not to sell the innocent blood of God's most dear elected, as did that caitiff wretch now damned in hell, if in Christ's school he took so great a fall, what will they do that come there not at all? Now Pontius Pilate is to judge the cause of faultless Jesus who before him stands, who neither hath offended prince nor laws, although he now be brought in woeful bands. O noble governor, make thou yet a pause, do not in innocent blood embrew thy hands, 
but hear the words of thy most worthy wife, who sends to thee to beg her Saviour's life. Let barbarous cruelty far depart from thee, and in true justice take affliction's part. Open thine eyes, that thou the truth mayst see. Do not the thing that goes against thy heart. Condemn not him that must thy Saviour be, but view his holy life, his good desert. Let not us women glory in men's fall, who had power given to overrule us all. End of part three.